Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 11, Silver Linings. Towards the end of the day Thursday, I got a call from Mike. Remember how we didn't want to spend any more money on the house? He asked. Oh dear, I answered. Water heater... Living positively isn't just something that happens. Like learning a new skill, having a good relationship with your spouse, or knitting a sweater. Finding the silver lining in events takes time, patience, and conscious thought. It also takes commitment, and the understanding that a failure doesn't mean that you just give up on the whole thing, but that you accept the failure and work beyond it the next time. The last few months, looking back objectively, There doesn't seem to be a lot to be positive about. A period of separation from my spouse, a winter that just never seemed to end, health issues, combined with the enforced inactivity and falling so far behind on my master spinner homework that I needed to apply for an extension, all of it together doesn't seem to leave me a lot to be positive about. But positivity is a choice, and I look back and, yes, see the negatives, but that's not all I see. The winter that never ended meant that when the warm weather finally did come, I was beyond thrilled about it. Yes, I half waited for the next snowfall, but now that we're into June, I think I can relax a little bit. The rain held off yesterday, and we were able to plant some herbs and vegetables in our garden. Soon we'll be cooking with the fresh stuff, and it will taste divine. Mike being in Calgary, and of course getting ill in Calgary, was also a little hard on me stress-wise. But I remembered all the things I love about living alone, so much so that having him back in the house is putting me through a whole new round of readjustment. I love the quiet, the sole responsibility for my schedule, and even the having no one to blame but myself if the dishes aren't done. That said, I love having someone to talk to again, not being the only one responsible for cooking and chores, and of course, having the person I love back in the house with me. The three months we spent apart were good in a lot of ways, and the only negative thing I can see is that he had to have surgery and recover in a city three hours away. The health issues, though. Those are a little harder. I miss walking. I miss spinning. I miss being able to sit without pain. I miss being able to wear denim without pain. But I walked three-tenths of a mile Friday at lunch, at 1.7 miles an hour, which is a good sight better than one-tenth at 0.8. And I've been able to do a little bit of yoga this week as well. I may not be able to spin at a wheel, but I've rediscovered how much fun, and how fast, spinning on spindles is. And in lieu of spinning, I've been doing a bit more knitting. The sweater is almost finished, at which point I'll have to decide if I'm going to frog the whole thing, but it's more progress than I've made in a while. The tapestry has also been the happy recipient of some of my time. Yes, I had to get an extension on level two. But by doing so, I will most likely be in good enough shape to spin at Fiber Week. And that is the most important part of the next few weeks. The focus on getting better for Fiber Week. And not being able to wear denim means I can spend more time wearing skirts, 
which I discovered I actually liked to wear when I was in England last year. Do I wish this whole hip thing had never happened? Of course, but there are quite a few positive things that have come out of it, so I can't say it's been a total loss. Positivity is a choice, but it isn't an easy one. I am not immune to the cumulative effects of stressors in my life. There are some mornings I wake up, and the thought of a day sitting at my desk is enough to make me want to pull the covers over my head and just stay there. The fourth day of rain in a row was similarly hard to bear, but I'm human. Sometimes I don't make the right choice. Sometimes I eat something made with wheat, even though I know it'll make me feel ill. Sometimes I sit outside without sunscreen. Sometimes I have buyer's remorse. Sometimes I'm a little too demanding or too OCD about things. But that doesn't mean that tomorrow I can't make the right choices. By the time I got home Thursday, Mike had directed most of the standing water in the laundry room down the drain, and the repair people were on their way with a new hot water tank. By 8.30, we'd handed over our credit card to pay for it, and for a little bit of extra cash, they took away the other old hot water tank as well. And after two days with a fan on, things were pretty well dry. Yesterday, I vacuumed the floors and the walls for dust gremlins, and we started putting things back. Yes, it was unexpected and expensive, but it could have been much worse if Mike hadn't been home, and we have a higher-efficiency water heater now. It was also incentive to do a bit of much-needed tidying and cleaning in the laundry room. I'm feeling better about it already. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? I'll do my best to make the right choice about my reaction to it. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Fiber Week is less than 20 days away. And that is awesome. I'm really looking forward to going even though I'm not going to have my homework done. I've basically accepted the fact. I I kept hoping that maybe I could get it done, but it's just not going to happen. However, as of this morning, I have finished almost everything I can do without touching fiber. All my essays are completed, and I've filled in 95% of the information on my little spreadsheet of skeins for the skeins that I already have spun up. I need to measure the the twist per inch, wraps per inch, and angle of twist for one or two skeins. And then I can't do anything else without touching fiber. So the good news is that I'm going to start blending. I have a few blends that I can make up to have ready for spinning. And yeah, we'll start there. So, So that's good. The the essays proved a little problematic. The for example, the one about the wool grades, the wool grading. I think I spent about two days on it. It's worth five marks. And part of the problem was that the best and most complete information um to, to do this essay was found in the level two manual, which is great, but the academic side of my brain says if it's only in one place, you need to confirm it somewhere else. And I couldn't find the information to confirm that pretty much anywhere on the internet. And I didn't have time to make a phone call to the British Wool Marketing Board or the Canadian, what is it, Canadian 
Wool Growers Cooperative. Yeah. Anyway, it annoys me a little bit. So what I'm going to try and do is the the information that I did find, the, the links that I did find, I'm going to post them on the resources page on, on the website. And going forward, I'm going to try and see if I can find something that's a little better, something that gives more information. And I'll also put that on the resources page. In terms of the spindling, I'll talk more about the results of the contest later on, but I I didn't have enough yarn spun on the spindle for the 25 skeins, so I had to spin up a whole other spindle's worth. And hopefully I have enough now for the 250 yards. So I'm going to wind off those 10-yard skeins here this afternoon, and if I have to spin more, I have to spin more. So it's best to do it now, since every eh, week's, you know, less than 20 days away. That's all good. I'm really looking forward to level three. So back to level one, I only have three more things to talk about. And I've picked the one that probably, if you know anything about level one, you've all been waiting for. And that is the Breeds book. There are, there are some pieces of the workbook, at least in levels one, two, and three that I know of, that are sort of the, the defining exercise. In level two, it's the color wheel. In level three, it's the 25 colors out of one dye pot. In level one, it's the breeds book. So what you have to do for the breeds book is you have to take 10 different breeds of sheep. They're, they're fiber, they're wool. And you have to spin 10 yards of it, well, preferably 20, because you have to knit a swatch. 20 yards of it woolen, and 20 yards of it worsted from a carded preparation that you card yourself. And the whole idea behind this exercise is to basically throw you into the deep end and let you know that not all sheep are created equal and not all sheep can be spun woolen or worsted. Some breeds of sheep, their wool is definitely not interested in being spun woolen. And part of the exercise is to force you to do it, to to make you aware that the different types of fleece have certain ways that they want to be spun. I ended up having like 15 different breeds of sheep available to me. I chose a few rare breeds, like uh, Cotswold, which was amazing to spin. I'm just going through my pages here. Let's see, I did Cotswold, Dorset, Gotland, which was a ton of fun. Jacob... I don't think I ended up with a very good Jacob fleece, though. I really wasn't happy with it. Rambouillet. Rideau Arcot, which is a Canadian breed of sheep. Scottish Blackface, which really, really doesn't want to be spun woolen at all. Southdown Suffolk, although the fleece we got I don't think was Suffolk because it wasn't... You do research about the different types of fleece as well, and... Everything I read about Suffolk fleece, nothing about this particular fleece matched it, and so I'm pretty sure it wasn't Suffolk. And then finally, Tunis, which oh, I loved the Tunis. Even though it was really, really short, shorter than it should have been, it was just amazing to spin. I loved it. I would love to get my hands on some Tunis fleece just to play with. But So I had a pretty good mix of of medium and fine down breeds and, and others. 
And it's, even if you're not doing the levels, it's certainly worth playing around with different, different flavors of sheep. The, the ones that I spun up for level three, it's a Polworth. Wow. There's a lovely sheen to it. It spun up really nice. It was sort of a medium length of staple. But because I'd been through this exercise here, the breeds exercise, I was able to look at that and go, okay, this is how it wants to be spun. So there's definitely, it's definitely worthwhile to take a look at the different breeds beyond your Merino, your BFL, and your Corydale. Because those are the ones that you're going to find most often. And there's nothing wrong with Merino. Don't get me wrong. Love Merino. But if that's the only thing you spin and that's the only thing you're exposed to, you're missing out on a lot. The Cotswold is gorgeous. It's shiny and long and really the the worst it's been on that one was amazing. The Tunis, it's got this reddish undertone and it's just like butter. And your down breeds too make a really, really nice crimpy uh, woolen yarn. It's definitely worth at least thinking about the different breeds. And also, part of this is from a conservation standpoint. If we're not using it, those breeds die out because they're no longer used. So your rare breeds are definitely worthwhile. If you have it, take a look through the Fleece and Fiber Sourcebook. It has really great descriptions of a whole bunch of different rare breeds and, and what their fleeces have been used for across over the years. So that is sort of a rundown on the breed study. Next episode will be one week away from Fiber Week. Fiber Notes. There's been a bit of knitting in the last few weeks. I spent last weekend working on the sweater for the most part. I decided to take the weekend off just to to rest a little bit. I'd been feeling a little run down, so I decided to say, it's my last weekend before Mike comes home, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that turned out being getting some DVDs from the library and sitting and working on the sweater. So I actually finished off the sleeves fairly quickly on Saturday, which was good. And then I started to piece everything together, according to the instructions. And so I got the the sleeves put on to the backs and the fronts, sewed up the side seams, and then got the yoke piece out and held it up to where I was supposed to pin it onto the backs, the fronts, and the sleeves. And it was pretty short. And I went, oh, hmm. So I pulled out all my safety pins and pinned it on. I did a whole bunch of gathers and then tried it on and it looks pretty big. So I, I mean, I, I didn't sew on the yoke cause I was just really kind of, I didn't really want to, I needed second opinions. It's my first sweater. So I, I pinned it on and, and then I took it to my knitting groups Tuesday and Wednesday. And the Tuesday group said, yeah, I don't think you can fix it. And the Wednesday group said, well, just try. What's the worst that can happen? And so I haven't done anything on it yet. But I'm going to sew on the yoke 
and then I'm going to pick up and do the the neck and yeah see how it fits and if it doesn't fit great I'll throw I'll throw a lifeline in on my on the pickup row and then tear it back to that and try some more aggressive decreasing and if that doesn't work then yes the whole sweater is getting torn back so maybe by next episode I will actually let you know if the sweater fits or not so I mean it, uh, there's a part of me that's quite disappointed it's a really lovely sweater and I love the cables but if I'm just not going to wear it then then there's no point so so that's the sweater update hey it's an actual sweater update and speaking of actual updates the other project that I was working on this week that I took out to the knitting groups was the ethereal shawl which I have not talked about since the first episode of the podcast and I haven't worked on since the first episode of the podcast so it took me a while to kind of figure out where I was and what I was doing, but oh, I remember how much I like this. It's a great combination of pattern and yarn. So it's the, the posh uh, yarn that I got in England, and it's uh, 50% camel and 50% silk. So it's absolutely luxurious. And this particular pattern's not difficult, but it's creating this really lovely lace leaf pattern. So really liking working on that. So I'll keep working on that as we go, you know, get further into the weeks and hopefully in fairly short order, I'll have a very lovely, nice, luxurious gray shawl. The other thing that I ended up with, uh, was, so a, a few times at my Wednesday group, we've done group projects for specific people uh, if they're going through something. And so we'd, we'd sort of been doing that and we someone had done brought some yarn and said let's do a group project with this yarn so we sort of thought it was pink so we thought maybe something for breast cancer anyway I started it and then I went home with someone and we didn't see it again for a very long time and it just came back and it sort of kind of lost its purpose which is kind of funny because it's the lighthouse shawl from Lana Cunningham's first book just keep knitting and the whole idea of the pattern is finding your way out of the darkness setting yourself on the right path. So here's a project, you know, that's based on a lighthouse and it's lost its way. So anyway, I ended up with that. I brought it home and, and I said, well, I'll just keep working on it. This is more of a process knitting project than a product knitting project because I know I'm not going to keep it. It'll go back to, you know, whoever donated the yarn and then they'll decide or we'll all decide what we're going to do with it. Anyhow, the, the, Shawl itself is based on Elizabeth Zimmerman's pie shawl, which is basically fun math where a circular shawl doubles in stitch count every, you know, X number of rows as you get further and further out. So I'm on section five right now, and overall each section is not difficult, but um, it's it's fun because it's this one's just about the knitting. It's just about about doing it, and I'm still thinking about socks. I would like to cast on a pair of socks, but I still want to, I still want to be working through some of these works in progress. So I'll keep working on that. And that is the fiber notes update. Fiberside Notion Box. 
so it's Notion Box time. I'd love to announce the winner of the side bet from the last episode. Uh, it turned out that before washing, I had 178 yards on my spindle, and after washing, I had 155 and three quarters. So after I tallied up all of the guesses, the person who was closest without going over was Yarn QT from Ravelry. So I'll be sending you a direct message. You can send me your address and I will send you off the lovely blue bat. So thank you so much, everybody, for participating. Um, I'd, after I'd wound it off and measured it, I knew I didn't have enough. So I spun up a whole new spindle, but I lost 20 yards in the washing and I'm wondering if I spun up enough. So this week I'll, I'll get my 25 10 yard skeins together and see if I do. The other thing I want to talk about in the Notion box today is there's been a bunch of links floating around that have come my way that are just inspirational knitting and and fiber arts, and I wanted to share those with you today. The first one I wanted to talk about is uh, is a digital artist who goes by WKB. He's out of Melbourne, Australia, and what he does is he basically creates those photo mosaics. Um, that have been popular for the last several years. But one of the things he's doing is he's taking digital images of granny squares and using those as sort of to create photo mosaics or rather granny square mosaics of famous pieces of art. He's done the great wave. He's done some Monet. He's done a portrait of De Medna, <laughs> which is awesome. They're just really lovely just looking at them is great. He's got more than are on this particular link on his Facebook page. They're lovely, and I love the idea of doing it with granny squares. So I'll put up a link to those, this in the show notes. Speaking of granny squares, if you are in California and you are able to get to the Craft and Folk Art Museum, it has been yarn bombed. It has been granny squared. It looks amazing. They've had squares from all over the world that have been sent and they've created huge um, pieces of basically blankets. And so the whole outside of the museum has been, has been bombed, has been granny squared and it looks awesome. So this installation is going to be up until July 1st. Yeah. If you are in California and are able to go, go take a look. It's, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like they had, I mean, there's got to be thousands of granny squares. So there's a great article in Huffington Post. I will put a link to that one in the show notes, and there's great pictures there. And speaking of yarn bombing, the Saltburn Yarn Bombers are at it again. For the Olympics last year, they bombed the pier at Saltburn with a a big railing cozy that uh, had all the Olympic sports in it. And that was so cool. I never got to see it. I kind of wish I had, but we didn't get out that far. But they have put a new cozy on the on the railing, and it's all kinds of, you know, seascapes. They've got sea creatures and people hanging out at the beach and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm amazed at it. It's definitely a year's worth of work for a whole bunch of people. But I love it, and it just sort of appears overnight. I, I love the idea of it. Hopefully, Edmonton can kind of steal the idea of 
you know, this, this piecemeal yarn cozy everybody takes two feet, say. And, and I think there's a railing somewhere that we can, we can decorate that way. But yeah, looking at it, oh my goodness, a lot of planning that has gone into that. So definitely go take a look. There's, there's a lot of just really fun pieces of it that have been photographed. And finally, in terms of yarn bombing, up in the Yukon, uh, a while back, the Yukon Yarn Bombers, or Yarn Bomb Yukon, made a cozy for a B-52, I believe it was, a whole big plane. It was out of blankets, and they pieced it all together, and then it was a... After Afterwards, they took the blankets apart and donated it to charity. Well, they've done it again. This time, they've created clothing for a few prehistoric animal models. A woolly mammoth, and I believe something else. A beaver. <laughs> a prehistoric beaver. Yeah, I want to be them when I, when I grow up. Or Knitminton wants to be them when, when we grow up. Because it's, it's amazing what they can do. Yeah, and again, I think it's the same thing. It looks like it's made out of blankets, and they'll probably take it apart and donate to charity afterwards. The part that I was a little disappointed in, and I should have signed up for a, an account on CBC to post a comment, is most of the comments on this particular story were like, well, why are you wasting your time doing that? You should just knit for charity. Ugh. Sometimes we just want to knit what we want to knit. And you know what? All this stuff is going to charity. And I should have signed up for an account and posted that. But I didn't. So anyway, Yarn Bomb Yukon, you're my heroes. Just want to put that out there. So that's what I wanted to talk about in Notion Box today. By the Wayside. So the tapestry and I have been having some discussions. The tapestry has been saying, you know you want to work on me. And I say, yes, I do, but I just don't know what piece I want to work on. And it goes, well, I don't know. And then we just sort of sit there staring at each other. So rather than continue that, I said, okay, well, I just don't have the mental energy to do curves right now. So let's do straight lines. So I've been doing some of the border work, uh, straight lines across the whole piece of the tapestry and uh, a few straight lines. They're sort of angled dividers in the border. So I've been working on those. We'll see how far I get. Part of the border, though, is I broke into the navy blue, which makes me happy. I know, it's just a silly little thing. It's like, yay, navy blue! But, it, hey, it makes me smile and makes me want to work on it. So the uh, the tapestry and I will continue to have these conversations while I work on the straight lines. And we'll see what uh, what calls to me, whether it's the guy on the on the opposite side from the gazebo looking out or more pieces of the border. Thank you for joining me for episode 11. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 12 on June 16th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. 
join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.